0: Kobe provides startups with free temporary offices, subsidies for market research costs and corporate registration costs and an office rent subsidy for up to 3 years. People can save time and money and invest them in your life if you choose outside of Tokyo.
1: こんにちは皆さん Japan. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Business Success Japan Podcast. This is your host, Li Buchelman. My main goal here is to create an easily accessible resource for those who want to develop Japan-specific communication skills, especially in business. While I don't promise to make you fluent in Japanese, I hope that you will walk away from each episode with a skill, piece of information, or shift in mindset that will help you be more effective in your interactions with Japanese business people. A quick reminder to please rate and review the podcast if you enjoy it it goes a long way to helping others find the podcast and learn more and it also helps me to keep going as an independent creator so thank you so much in advance today i chat with masanori nagamine a japanese municipal official working to attract global startups accelerators, incubators, and venture capitalists in IT and life science to Kobe, which is actually one of the most mature ecosystems in Japan. You'll be hearing a lot more about the exciting work he's doing to promote Kobe to entrepreneurs in this episode, so be sure to stick around to learn more. But before we get into the interview, let's take a moment to go over some Japanese. In the previous episode, we learned a phrase that's quite foundational to Japanese culture. desu o kyaku sama wa kami sama That's a mouthful, but it basically translates to the customer is god, which is roughly the equivalent to the English phrase the customer is always right that's frequently used in the United States. For a more in-depth breakdown of the phrase and why it's important, be sure to check out the notes in last week's episode. This week, I want to introduce one of my current favorite words in Japanese. 某年会 This word really just refers to a year-end party usually in a corporate context. However, if you look at the kanji used in this word, which I've put in the description of this episode, it literally translates to forget the year meeting. So essentially, you get together with your coworkers for a party to not only celebrate as a group, but more importantly, to help you forget all the troubles and stress of the previous year. We discuss this and other related concepts in the episode, so be sure to listen carefully for that. But without any further delay, let's get into today's conversation.
0: So thank you for having me today, video. I'm Masanori Nagamine, the director of Kobe Trade Information Office located in Seattle. That is a branch office of the city of Kobe, Japan. Seattle and Kobe have been sister cities since 1957 and Kobe opened Blanche office in 1961 in Seattle. I worked for the city of Kobe for 18 years at Kobe and I was transferred to Seattle in 2018. During I worked at Kobe, I experienced many roles like city festivals planning, HR, accounting, running nursery schools, attracting companies in life science to Kobe, and launching a startup support program in life science. I was born and raised in Japan. I lived with my wife and two kids. This is the first time for me and my family to live abroad. It's been uh, a difficult year this year, but I think we're enjoying the life here in the U.S.
1: Yeah, I'm glad that you've been able to make the most of being here, even though it's been pretty difficult this year. Yeah. So you kind of moved from a different position into what you do now. Yeah. Do you like what you do now most? Like, is it more exciting to you to be involved yeah. in that
0: Yeah, it's very exciting to work here in the US. The role of our office is attracting US startups to COVID startup ecosystem, not to Tokyo. Before the COVID-19, I often visited Silicon Valley, where I set up our satellite office last year in Boston and as a place to participate events to look for startups, which were interested in expanding their business to Japan and to have meetings with them to promote COVID. And during the pandemic as same as many business persons, I haven't been able to meet a business persons in person and go to business trip. This situation was uh, critical for me because the first way of communication with startups was visiting them. Therefore, I pivoted my activity from meeting in person to web marketing right after the pandemic. I feel it is going well so far. Actually, uh, there are some inquiries from startups about Kobe every month and I could get a great opportunity of interview by Lydia today from the LinkedIn network. Currently, I'm preparing to publish blog series about starting businesses in Japan and startup visa information.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm very happy to have you on too because I wanted to talk to somebody about Mm -hmm. the startup visas because it's very interesting that a few cities all across Japan want to get involved in the startup scene, not just Tokyo, because if you talk to people it sounds like all of that sort of thing is happening in Tokyo. So it's great to see other cities just really stepping up to try and it almost sounds like compete with Tokyo to be the startup capital in Japan. So I was really intrigued by it, and I think that my listeners will like learning more about it too. So can you tell us a little bit more about the these strategic economic zones in Japan? I guess
0: you mean the national strategic special zones.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was established in 2014 as a regulatory reform that provides board deregulation and tax incentives by limiting regions and fields to enhance international competitiveness of Japan. Currently, uh, 10 areas including Kobe, have been certified as a national strategic special zone. And uh, let me introduce about uh, Startup Visa 2. I need to explain the business Business manager visa first. The business manager visa is a working visa for foreigners who are seeking to launch a business in Japan. And in order to obtain the business manager visa, applicants must open an office in Japan and either hire two or more full time employees who reside in Japan or invest uh, 5 million yen or more when to apply. These requirements were super difficult for entrepreneurs. Therefore, the Startup Visa has established to help skilled entrepreneurs start an impact business in Japan. The Startup Visa is a temporary conditional residence permit for entrepreneurs want to build a company in Japan, but don't have enough time and money to meet the requirements of the business manager visa. So no need to have an office, employees, and 5 million yen investment when to apply to the startup visa. Mm -hmm. And the startup visa allows entrepreneurs stay in Japan for up to one year to prepare for obtaining a business manager visa. To qualify for the startup visa, it is necessary to prove that applicants will launch and operate an innovative business in one of the selected municipalities or in national strategic special zones and have a business plan to meet the business manager visa requirements within a year and the applicants of the startup visa need to get certification documents from municipal governments you want to launch your business to apply for the visa to immigration bureaus so please visit our website to learn more detail of the startup visa our website is kobe
1: I'll be sure to link that up in the description of the episode, but the website is also very easy to navigate, and sometimes it helps to compare the different websites. Fuku, is also pretty good, but I think Kobe's layout is the easiest to find the information you need, so definitely go check it out if you're not already familiar. And just to clarify, for the manager visa, do you need two full-time employees and the forty thousand dollar investment or just one or the other just one just yeah. one okay
0: uh, two employees or five million investment
1: perfect thank you for that clarification yep. so you have a year to try to build up to that which is very helpful but do you have to have a certain type of company in order to qualify for the startup visa in the first place
0: there are two requirements. If startups want to get the certification with Kobe, the applicants need in the industries. One is a business that have introduced and used new technologies in the IT, health, medical, welfare, environmental, and logistics fields. And the second line is business that produce high added value and innovation in existing products and services, regardless of industry or field. And these businesses need at least a prototype or a beta version to be eligible for the startup visa.
1: Okay, so it's pretty focused on more technological innovation. Yeah. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit more about what sets Kobe apart in particular when it comes to startups? Like what does the startup ecosystem in Kobe specifically look like?
0: Yeah. I think there are three things that make Kobe's startup ecosystem unique. The first is Kobe's ecosystem is open to global. Kobe has become a hotspot for startups since 2016 when Kobe launched a 500 Kobe accelerator. This accelerator is run by a partnership with 500 startups, which is a global major accelerator located in Silicon Valley. It was the first case in the world that municipal government runs the accelerator with a partnership of a global major accelerator. The unique thing is that this program is run by city taxis but startups from all over the world can apply for it. Usually, many municipal government initiatives using city taxis like 500 Kobe don't accept application from outside of the city. However, we, the city of Kobe, decided to accept application from all over the world to make Kobe's ecosystem global. And as a result, over half of applicants were from overseas in 2020, and 11 selected startups were from overseas out of 17 selected startups. I feel Kobe is gradually becoming popular, not only among Japanese startups, but also among foreign startups. In addition, Kobe could attract UNOPS which was a United Nations agency to Kobe in 2020. UNOPS, U-N-O-P-S, set up the Global Innovation Center in Kobe. It's third incubator in the world for entrepreneurs to solve various problems in developing countries. The second is the city of Kobe is eager to work with startups. City of Kobe is promoting the Urban Innovation Kobe initiative to solve administrative issues with the help of startups. Urban Innovation Kobe, we call it a UIK, is to find a startup that can offer solutions for such issues in a government organization. The two parties carry out a joint pilot study to solve issues under UIK. UIK was launched in 2018 and the city of Kobe was the first municipality in Japan to start such an issue-solving project with startups. The startups can benefit of working with the government and thus can build social trust. The government can benefit from the prompt responses of startups and from the opportunity to address administrative challenges at cost lower than those when employing the services of big corporations. The third is the Kobe Biomedical Innovation cluster initiative. We call it KBIC. KVIC is an economic recovery project from the damage of the earthquake, which hit Kobe in 1995, and killed more than 4,500 people in Kobe. The goal of KVIC is to give back to the world that extended great support after the earthquake by creating a life-saving life science innovation from COVID. There are over seven, uh, 370 companies, research institutes, universities, and hospitals in KBIC area and the world world-class level R&D in regenerative medicine, drug discovery medical devices are being carried out in KVAC. And companies and startups work with those researchers to be put to practical use by great supports of experts. I think the, those are unique points of COVID startup ecosystem.
1: It definitely sounds like that there's a lot going on in COVID, mm-hmm. but why do you think most people don't know about these types of programs happening outside of Tokyo?
0: Yeah, I think the big challenge is publish information in English. Mm -hmm. I think it can be said uh, in all over Japan, but it is difficult to find uh, detailed information, everything about Japan. I realized that when I moved to the U.S. So we are working hard to publish Kobe's information through the web.
1: And you said that over half of the applicants for the the Startup 500 in Kobe were from overseas. Were they mostly from Western countries then, Western English-speaking countries? Or do you know off the top of your head kind of what those People looked like in terms of which countries they were. Yeah,
0: I think uh, the applicants are from mm, from the continent without Antarctica. (laughs) Yeah, I realized the applicants are from exactly all over the world. But mm, I think that Asia is the most part of applicants, but mm, almost applicants from south america north america europe asia africa asia every everywhere from the world
1: yeah it's good to hear that it's a little bit more diverse but why do you think people from those from such a broad range of asian countries in particular applied is it that More people from maybe those countries tend to be better at Japanese whereas maybe Americans just don't have the Japanese skill to be able to figure out how to apply to sort of these sort of things or are there other reasons
0: yeah the one reason is the this accelerator is learned in English and the second reason is usually such kind of uh, accelerator uh, need to pay a lot of fee to participate but this our program is free of charge to join so that's a uh, big reason why we attract many Africans from all over the world
1: so then why does kobe work so hard to attract foreign entrepreneurs instead of just focusing on japanese startups or just focusing on trying to get more Japanese people themselves to become entrepreneurs? Why the focus on foreigners?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Thinking about the global economy, regions uh, that attract global investments are growing. Regions that have matured startup ecosystem attract foreign startups and a domestic and foreign mega corporations that aim to collaborate with startups. And new startups were born from successful startups and mega corporations. And this circulation makes the ecosystem stronger. So we want to make this happen in COVID too. And this is the reason why we are interested in attracting foreign entrepreneurs. In addition, I think that Japanese startups tend to focus on the Japanese market first. It's natural, but it is often not easy to adjust their products or services to global because they are mostly based on Japanese culture and way of thinking. I would like to stimulate this situation by attracting foreign entrepreneurs whose eye points are global.
1: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Listening to a different podcast called Disrupting Japan that people should probably look into if they like this episode at all. A lot of Japanese entrepreneurs mentioned that you can almost get stuck in the Japanese market if you start out in the Japanese market. Do you see that happening at all? And is that kind of why you think it might be harder for Japanese entrepreneurs to become more global? Is that something that you notice?
0: Yeah, I I know uh, one unicorn startups born in Japan and that was, their business was very successful and they, try to expand their business to the U.S., but it looks like going well, but compared with their success in Japan, it mm, seems like slow expanding their business in the U.S. Mm, So have you ever heard about the word Galapagos Island in the Pacific? Mm and it's the islands are protected by the sea so no nobody and no nothing come to the island so the uh, island grew up their original ecosystem so japan is called galapagos it's a services as product that's going well in Japan, but it's only work in the Japan, mm-hmm. Galapagos, Japan. Mm-hmm. So that is happening in Japan.
1: So then in your opinion, why do you think foreigners who want to start a startup in Japan or expand their operations to Japan should think about these cities outside of Tokyo?
0: Yeah, I think there are two reasons business cost and work-life balance Uh, i think that tokyo is the best choice if entrepreneurs and companies don't need to worry about money as you may know tokyo is a global area and there is most everything almost everything you need to do your business on the other hand it means tokyo is an area that costs a lot for example the cost of office rent in tokyo is more than three times higher than that of Kobe. Even Kobe is the seventh largest city. In addition, some areas outside of Tokyo, including Kobe provides many business supports with startups. For example, Kobe provides startups with free temporary offices, subsidies for market research costs and corporate registration costs and an office went subsidy for up to three years and more because of the COVID-19 working remotely is getting easier. Startups can connect with Tokyo by remotely if it is necessary. And the second reason is work-life balance. The living cost of Tokyo is the most expensive of any other area. Therefore, it is said that people need to take a super crowded train, one and half hours to commute if they want to live in the reasonable housing cost area, even though the cost of which is same or higher than outside of Tokyo area. People can save time and money and invest them in your life if you choose outside of Tokyo. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, my friend who lives in Tokyo right now, Mm -hmm. he was living with his family kind of because he's not married, so that's kind of more normal in Japan even when you're in your 20s, 30s to stay with your family. But it was just so, he was still in Tokyo, but it was so far away Getting to the train station was hard, and then you were on the train for an hour and a half, and eventually he just couldn't do it anymore. But now he lives in a really expensive shoebox in Tokyo. That's super convenient, but is very expensive and uncomfortable. So, yeah, the lifestyle in Tokyo can be a little bit difficult sometimes. I think you would definitely agree with that. What makes Kobe in particular a good place to live? Then, in, in your opinion?
0: Yes. Mm-hmm in terms of startup business uh, Kobe is eager to support uh, startups and uh, working in Kobe as startups and they will be uh, one of startups companies in huge numbers of companies in Tokyo but in Kobe they're not so many companies like in Tokyo. Kobe is eager to promote Kobe startups. Kobe is eager to help startups to make their business going well. So Kobe startups is not easy, but often news media's website focus on American Article about Kobe startups. So I think working in Kobe makes help, help startups promoting their name in Japan.
1: Because in Tokyo, there's so many startups that nobody might notice you even. But if you're in Kobe or another uh, large city, but not as big or um, flashy, maybe in some people's opinion, as Tokyo, you're suddenly one of the only ones. So you get a lot more attention is basically what i'm getting yeah
0: yeah exactly
1: so are there any other aspects that you think are good for companies who want to start in kobe specifically
0: um yeah i can tell that uh, there are foreigners in kobe over uh, from uh, over 120 countries then there are many foreign people, foreigners, uh, friendly facilities in Kobe like international school, regional facilities in Kobe. And the Kobe has opened as a pop city. Then uh, Kobe is very open to foreigners. Actually many new things were imported from Kobe and to all over Japan. Coffee is expand from Kobe to all over the world, and soccer is expand from Kobe to Japan. So Kobe is always welcome foreigners, nice. so that's a reason I think Kobe is a good place to work and live.
1: Because it sounds almost like from other people I know in Tokyo, it's just kind of hard to get any sort of attention because like i said it's almost a dime a dozen at this point to be starting a startup Mm -hmm. in tokyo so having a little bit more of that support and having a little bit more of a community that actively is happy to have you there as a foreigner is probably very helpful in starting and uh, maintaining motivation your business in japan i would i would think what are some common issues you see foreigners face when they try to start a startup in japan
0: yeah i think it will be visa issue the startup visa makes entrepreneurs easier to get a residence permit than before however entrepreneurs are required to obtain the business manager visa within a year if entrepreneurs cannot obtain the business manager visa they cannot stay in japan and in order to obtain the business manager visa applicants must open an office in japan and either hire two or more full-time employees who reside in japan or invest five million yen or more when to apply And before applying, incorporation is also required. Entrepreneurs need to do many complicated visa and incorporation procedures, such as rent their home and office, open personal and company bank account, making a hanko, a company stamp, tax procedures, etc., all in Japanese language. Yeah, And more, it is difficult to find instruction on the complicated procedure in one place in English.
1: Yeah, it almost makes me wonder how people have managed to do it at all without this startup visa. Because <laughs> figuring out how to get the manager visa without any sort of assistance sounds almost impossible. So I definitely appreciate that there's this kind of in-between visa to help give people time to actually establish themselves.
0: Yeah, I think so. There are inquiries about startup visa to Kobe every month, every month. Yeah, I, I feel foreign entrepreneurs uh, interested in getting a startup visa recently.
1: So what are some things that Kobe is doing or other cities are doing right now to try to address these issues? Is it a lot of what you're doing, trying to make a good website where you have everything you need in English. Is there anything else that these cities are trying to do to support foreign entrepreneurs?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I think there are two points. The first is Kobe provides subsidies with startups to help reduce their financial burden and provides free consultations by experts about incorporation tax payment work, and so on at COVID. And the second, uh, our office is going to post blog series on our website soon to explain all the complicated procedures of getting visa and other stuff, like an opening a bank account, getting an address in Japan, etc., cetera. Et cetera.
1: Mm -hmm. I think that'll be very helpful so I'm glad to hear that cities are going out of their way to make sure that all of this is available
0: yeah I think we can post the first blog uh, this month
1: and we're recording this in December so that should already be up by the time that this is published so I'll be sure to link those as well or at least a couple of those in the description of the episode if you're interested be sure to check those out too do you have any personal examples of a communication breakdown that you think was due to culture
0: yeah i should tell something interesting example but i can't come up with an example i experienced communication breakdowns when i communicate in email between japanese but this is not due to cultural differences, just due to a lack of in-person communication. So I can come up with an example.
1: Yeah, I think it is harder with emails to make sure that everybody's on the same page. It's, it's probably worth, if you're not already familiar with Japanese-style emails, it's probably worth doing a little bit of research. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, <exactly>. Japanese-style. <laughs> <laughs> there
1: are quite a few roles so. Maybe we'll do an episode on that someday too, but if you're not familiar, be sure to check it out before you start sending your own emails to Japanese people. <laughs> There's a few things you want to be careful yeah. about. <laughs> so then if you were talking to somebody who is going to Japan for business, maybe working in a company, maybe they want to start their own business, but they can only know one thing about Japan or about the culture ahead of time, what would you tell them?
0: Uh, okay, I think it would be a uh, nomikai culture. Mm. Have you ever heard about the word nomikai?
1: Yeah, it's come up quite a few times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Nomikai. Yeah, nomikai is a drinking party and a way of communication among employees, friends, sport teams, and so on. And in terms of workplace nomikai, Uh, there are two types one is the official nomikai i guess almost all companies hold official nomikai at least once or more in a year employees are usually expected to participate in official nomikai as it is considered a social aspect of work although it is not expressly required Nomikai is often held among one department of the workplace at the end of the year as bonenkai <laughs> and the beginning at, and the beginning of the year as shinnenkai <laughs> and when someone leaving and joining the workplace as kansougeikai and the, the second is a private nomikai that is held among co-workers in the same department or someone in good relations in another department or sometimes between boss and subordinate. The interesting aspect of nomikai is participants often express their true thoughts and emotions at nomikai. Japanese tend to hide their true feelings and Suppress their emotion to avoid friction at the workplace, then feeling stressed with it. However, expressing their two feelings often accepted at Nomika. So Nomika works for reducing the stress of work and keeping a good relationship between employees. And there's such a communication that Nomikai is called nominication. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah, the combined word of nomi, which means drinking and communication. So I like to tell the nomikai and nominication culture to someone going to Japan for business, especially those who move to Japan and work for Japanese companies.
1: Yeah, nominication is a big one. It'll be interesting to see if uh the covid situation does anything or if it'll kind of just go back to how it was before i guess we'll see because a lot of that has been completely on hold during covid just because bars are about the worst place to be hanging out right now but i think that boninkai is probably my favorite japanese word right
0: now (laughs) if you
1: like forget the year meeting and
0: yeah yeah i think many people need to hold uh, bonenkai as zoom nomikai zoom bonenkai a new word was born in japan okay Um, zoom zoom nomikai (laughs) 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 using a zoom or
1: Mm -hmm. well i think that's a great thing for people to be aware of does no communication nomikai Things like that have anything to do with the startup culture too, or is it not as strong in the startup ecosystem, or how does that look?
0: Ah, uh, no communication. Ah, uh, I am not sure if no culture is also be in the startups, but Japanese yeah Japanese like no nomi- no communication, so no communication is a good part of ecosystem, I guess.
1: A long time ago, one of my first interviews was with Minaya-san, and she talked about how, I think it's because of the rise of issues with sexual harassment and things like that, some companies are trying to move away from nomikai and using communication to karaoke-cation, so that might be something else to look out for too. I don't know if you've encountered that so much yet. She's mostly working in Tokyo, so.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I heard young people don't like to join nominication, mm. yeah. Because in 1990s, in many nomikai, people need to drink a lot of alcohol, even they don't want to drink. That's a way of nomikai and the young ages don't want to do that in nomikai and young people don't want to go to drink with the coworker. So the culture of nomikai and nomination is uh, changing recently.
1: So it's still important but we'll see how it changes in the future as well yeah so is there anything else that we didn't talk about yet that you would like to share or anything that comes to mind as important you want to talk about
0: uh, I think I could talk everything but I think you can see my background mm-hmm.
1: this the
0: video. Is, yeah this is a event called mm-hmm infiorata kobe kitanozaka Mm. which is held every spring in downtown kobe and you can see pictures on the road these pictures are painted by julie petals and this event started in 2002 and i was in charge of the first infiorata kobe kitanozaka Mm. so it is held usually golden week of japan do you know golden week it's the one week holidays uh, from at the end of april to may mm-hmm. so if your listener have a chance to visit kobe around golden week i hope they will visit this inferior Kitano channel Infrared, cold, etc. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it looks beautiful. I hope that more people can learn about it. I feel there's just so much going on during Golden Week. It's probably hard to <laughs> think about planning a vacation, but yeah. Hopefully, people can get involved in that this coming year. Like, pandemic.
0: Debate. Yeah.
1: We'll see what happens. Looking forward. to It's cool that you got to be involved in the first one, and that it's continued on. So- Yeah, anything else before we log off for today?
0: Uh, I don't think so. Mm, I could talk everything I want to talk.
1: Perfect. Well, be sure to link all of the things that you mentioned, including the future blog series. So definitely check all of this out if startups sound at all interesting to you, especially if you're a little bit hesitant thinking about Tokyo in particular. There's a lot of other options available, so be sure to just do some research and you can probably reach out to Masanori if you have any questions and of course you can email me if you have any questions as well but Masanori will probably be a lot more helpful so
0: (laughs) yeah thank you very much and I think uh, I hope this interview helped your listeners know more about Japan and Kobe.
1: me too thank you so much for your time
0: yeah thank you very much yeah it is a lot of fun
1: I hope that you enjoyed today's conversation and please be sure to check out the links in the description of this episode to learn more about Masanori and all of the exciting startup initiatives going on in Kobe and other national strategic zones in Japan. If you enjoyed today's episode, please go ahead and share it with a friend, colleague, or connection on LinkedIn to help spread the messages and information shared in this podcast. And please remember to go ahead and subscribe and leave a rating and review if you enjoy the podcast. And feel free to email me at businesssuccessjapan at gmail.com All one word, all lowercase. If you have any other questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes or interview topics. And if you enjoyed the episode, please go ahead and send it to someone you think would enjoy giving it a listen. Also, be sure to reach out if you would like to contribute as a guest on the podcast to share your own cultural insights into doing business in Japan. But for now, remember that the more you learn, the more confident you will become as you explore all of the opportunities Japan has to offer you. Until next time, mata kondo!